Today on the show, open wide, folks. Yeah. We've got some D strands to deliver, and you know what that means. Mm-hmm. Bats spit mouths. Ugh. Yum. <laughs> what a winning combination. <laughs> Welcome to Gam Jabbar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe. From Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. My name is Leo. And my name's Abu. And today we're trying something brand spanking new. Hot out the oven, fresh out of the dispensary (laughs) we're talking news we're talking distrans we're talking news we're gonna tell you everything you need to know about dune that is right (laughs) if you haven't heard folks there's a lot happening in the world of dune yeah in the fandom of dune yeah we are living in hashtag peak dune right now it is good to be a dune fan it's true And there's a lot of news to cover, so this is something new we're going to try out. Every now and then, we're going to do these D-Strands episodes Mm -hmm. in which we go over some of the biggest news surrounding the films, the TV show, comic books, board games, video games, anything in the Dune universe, anything that's newsy or relevant or that we are excited for and that we think you should know about will be discussed on these episodes. Yeah, like this information's readily available all over the internet. Oh, yeah. But we just wanted to make it accessible and easy to kind of stay on top of whatever's happening out in the world. For sure. But before we get too far into it, let's make Shout Out Mapes proud and quickly take care of some housekeeping, starting with spoiler warning, no spoilers. We're going to be talking about real world things, not Dune thing. Well, kind of Dune. Doesn't matter. No spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) You are good to go. That's right. And a reminder that there are two great ways to support this podcast. Indeed. One is to become a patron at patreon.com slash gamjabar. You get cool benefits and ad-free episodes. The other is to check out our merch store Mm -hmm. at gamjabarshop.com. It's true. As always, we have to shout out our Kwisatz Haderach level patrons, Case Aiken, Matthew Good, Gents. You're always newsy, you're always relevant, baby, and we always want to talk about you. That's why we always do. (laughs) We don't have to. We could stop. We're not going to. You are always relevant, indeed. Indeed. Thank you so much for your generosity, and that extends to all of our patrons and all of our listeners. Y'all make this show possible. It's true. Thank you so much. And finally, a friendly reminder, email us anytime, morning or night, gomjabarpodcast at gmail.com. This is a new format. Distrans is a new format for us. So if you like it, let us know. If you hate it, let us know, but kindly. And uh, <laughs> We're fragile. We are deeply insecure. <laughs> but we always do take that feedback very seriously, and we're happy mm-hmm. to make as good a product as we can. For sure. For sure. Okay, that takes care of housekeeping. Mm-hmm. Let's debrief about this episode. It's a new format. We're in unexpected territory. So here's the game plan. Yeah. We'll start 
the discussion by breaking down some of the latest news and announcements surrounding the upcoming film. Mm-hmm. In case you haven't heard, <laughs> Dune Part 2 coming out in 2023. Oh my God, David Lynch is making a sequel? Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then after we talk about the film, we'll transition into covering what we know about the HBO TV show and then talking a bit about the video games, which we've played. That's true. And then later in the conversation, we'll wrap up by discussing some miscellaneous news in the Dune world, things like comic book adaptations and some board games to keep an eye on and anything else that we want to discuss before we wrap it up. Right. Now, we'll get into all of that in just a minute. So let's take a quick break. But don't go anywhere, folks, because we got some Dune news to cover right after this. We'll see you in a minute. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome back, everybody. Let's do it. Yeah, let's get into the first bit of news. And the first thing we're going to discuss today is movie news. Hello. Let's talk about the movie, the upcoming film. So what do we know? Well, Dune Part 2 is scheduled for release on November 3rd, 2023. That date's jumped around a little bit. Still holding strong on November 3rd, which is by my count, is that updated 273 days away? Oh, yeah. That's the correct number. Wow. As of the moment we're recording. (laughs) Actually, as of the moment, I did it from the Friday this episode goes live. You fucking nerd. That's awesome. So it's more live, you know? (laughs) Hell yeah. Cool. Yeah. So 273 days. But who's counting? Right. We are. We are. For you so you don't have to. There's also like three (laughs) Twitter accounts dedicated to just giving us a number. Yeah. What do we know about the film? Like, what is it going to cover? Well, we know that it's going to cover the second half of the book picking up immediately after when Zendaya said, there's more, this is, there's more movie soon. Please watch the second part. Yeah. When she grabbed the camera and spoke right into it and told us there's more of this film and the story's not over. You know, you might've missed it. It's like a blink and you miss it moment at the end of the first movie. (laughs) Now, what's exciting is what may come after doing part two as well, because in Various interviews, Denny Villeneuve, the director, has expressed interest in creating a Dune trilogy. Yeah. So that would cover the events of Dune Messiah as well. Dune's part one and two would be the first book, and then the third movie in his trilogy would cover the events of Messiah. Indeed. That's very exciting for me personally, because Messiah, my favorite book in the series. Yeah. Here's actually a direct quote that Denny told EW in 2021. Quote, I always envisioned three movies. It's not that I want to do a franchise, but this is Dune, and Dune is a huge story. In order to honor it, I think you would need at least three movies. That would be the dream. To follow Paul Atreides and his full arc would be nice. End quote. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I can already hear the cries of our listeners saying, there's more arc to Paul Atreides in later (laughs) books. There's more story to cover. Yeah. But I think... 
I agree with Denny here that if we want the Timothy Chalamet trilogy, right, the Dune trilogy here, right, covering the first two books over the course of three movies is a great way to do it. And who knows, we may get future Dune adaptations, but it sounds like Denny is at least on board for three of them. It's true. I tried to find, there was an interview with him and I couldn't find it, Yeah, but he was talking about how after Messiah, he would, he would probably leave the franchise and work on something else. But nevertheless, although we do not have solid confirmation, it is very likely we're going to get a third movie, which is great. Uh, <laughs> Just know. wonderful. Wonderful. But let's talk about who's in the movie. Yeah. Because we've gotten some casting news over the last year. Some of this is going to be old news for you, probably, but just wanted to make sure we're covering all this, especially because we haven't talked about this in a dedicated way. Right. And future Distrans episodes, we can just focus on the new stuff. But For sure. Yeah. So we have Leia Sadu. I think that's how you say your name. That sounds right. As Margot Fenring. We've got Austin Butler as Fade Rautha. Yeah the young nephew of Baron Harkonnen. Let me correct you there. Yeah. Golden Globe winner and Oscar yeah. nominee, Austin yeah. Butler. Male drama lead. Yeah. Golden Globe winning. Like mm -hmm. that insane. It, it's <laughs> very exciting. Yeah. He's on the come up. Yeah. I'm a little sick today and I think my plan is to drown in NyQuil and watch El Elvis later. Hey, that's a good idea. Apparently he's just spectacular in it. Mm -hmm. We've got Christopher Walken himself <laughs> the guy christopher as shaddam emperor oh, of the known galaxy that's shaddam the fourth and he's in quite a few movies just as an excellent actor he's kind of known for being campy now but i think he's gonna knock it out of the park yeah we've got florence Pugh, oh. also a young star on the rise yeah as princess irulan christopher walken's daughter and then we have tim blake nelson as an unannounced role and we, uh, those of us who have read the book are kind of anticipating he might be Fenring, Count Fenring. Yeah. But it's, you know, hard to say. It's hard to say. We don't have confirmation yet. Yeah. No confirmation on that yet. I will say from that list that you just named, yeah. I'm excited about all of them. Yeah. But I think Florence Pugh as Irulan gets me very excited because you don't cast such a electric actor, such an up and comer. Yeah. If you're not going to utilize them in the movie. And so that gives me hope that we're going to get much more Irulan or that her role will be expanded, you know? Yeah. Like, you don't cast Florence Pugh to read, like, two lines in one scene. <laughs> right. So hopefully we get much more Irulan in part two. And then the other one that really excites me, we've already sort of gushed about, is Austin Butler as Fade Ratha. Yeah. Because, again, he's such a rising star. Right. And I'm excited to see how he comes in as this sort of counterpart to Paul Atreides. It will be exciting to see how he comes in and embodies that role and gives us a bit of a direct antagonist to Paul. I think he is up for the task. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the importance, understanding that Irulan is actually a pretty significant character in the Dune universe, mm -hmm. giving her a proper actress who like can carry the role is good. And same thing, Fade Rautha is so easy to not focus on, but making him this charismatic, charming, I don't know, hot guy <laughs> is yeah. uh i think the, the right move we'll see we'll see kind of how it, it plays out on screen uh it, it is possible i was thinking about glass onion great movie did you catch joseph gordon levitt's cameo he's the voice of something right he's the voice of the bong <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so i was thinking like it would be funny if they like cast 
Florence Pugh, and she's just in the background. Oh, my God. I mean, an easy paycheck for her, you know? Get that bag, Florence. Yeah. Hang out with Morocco for a bit. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Do it. <laughs> and the last bit of news we have about the movie is that the production actually wrapped in December of 2022. That's right. So they are into post-production, and the editing is, I'm sure, <laughs> happening at a, at a blistering pace. But, uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on the film? I know we've already shared a little bit about the cast, but yeah, what are you thinking about the film? I think it goes without saying that I'm very excited. Some could say incredibly <laughs> yeah. excited. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think the cast continues to get hotter and hotter, which <laughs> yeah. is an impressive feat because the bar was already so high Yeah, between Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya. Hard to top that. Yeah. Hard to even meet that. But I think Denny continues to just find the hottest, most talented people in Hollywood and convince them to work for him and cast them in Dune. I think what's genuinely very exciting is that every interview I found, every article, every YouTube video where the cast is speaking about the film, they're doing two things. They are complimenting Denny Villeneuve. Yeah. And they are genuinely honored and excited to be a part of something that's so special. And I think that more than any other marketing talk, right? Like we've all seen the marketing talk of, oh, this film was so good and this, and I'm excited for this. This doesn't feel like marketing talk. Like I've found an anecdote where Josh Brolin, yeah, yeah. who plays Gurney Halleck, realized that his IMDB page didn't show him in Dune Part 2, like the page wasn't updated yet, and it didn't show him as reprising his role as Gurney Halleck. And he told the interviewer, I immediately called my agent and I was like, can you call somebody at IMDb and fix that? Mm. I want to make sure I am attached to this film because I am honored to be a part of it. And I think that little anecdote speaks to just how exciting of a project this is and just how genuinely the cast and crew care about this story, care about this film, and know that they have something special on their hands and that they've gathered a special group of people. That, to me, more than any marketing talk, more than any trailer, more than any PR gets me excited about dune yeah absolutely i mean there's nothing like when actors talk about how great directors are and how wonderful it is to work with them the movies they're talking about are often special and often feel good Mm -hmm. even if it's like maybe the narrative doesn't click with you maybe it's a genre you're not like vibing with but there is something about when actors and directors are not getting along or the director is being tyrannical it's very hit or miss and when the director has a strong vision and the cast is like he is making this possible and I'm just happy to be here. That's special. And that's really, that's incredible. And you're right. Like every interview I've seen with everyone, Roland's also been very uh, effusive. Oh yeah. Anyway. So I, I completely agree. It's very exciting. I also just treading that line between like distractingly hot people who I'm just like, Oh my God, they all look so fucking good. I know. <laughs> but then also like almost overqualified, like, uh, Stellan Skarsgård's such a superb actor. Yeah. And we got him for like four seconds. <laughs> right. We got like two scenes of him in the first movie. I, I, I think that's not a problem. I, I just think you can take it any direction. If he decides to feature a character more, he's got someone who can carry that scene. Right. With ease. Yeah, totally. And again, we'll have a lot more to say about this film in the coming months. The hype will only continue to rise here on the podcast and among the Dune fandom. True. So stay tuned. We will be talking much more about this film as we get news about it, as the trailer drops. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Can you fucking imagine? (gasps) Uh, I just got chills. 
imagining it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, then, of course, the movie itself will come out in November. We will be giving it the full Gamjabar coverage and the full Gamjabar deep dive treatment as we've done in the past. And I'm very excited. I have to decide if I want to see it in theaters twice, same day, opening day again. Because mm-hmm. that was a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. That's Watching a lot. like six and a half hours of Dune on the opening yeah. day after we'd already seen it two weeks prior. <laughs> right. Because we got <laughs> that like... early screening. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm definitely going to treat myself to IMAX this year. I'd never saw the first one in IMAX. Oh, really? Uh, oh, I know. Gosh. I know. We also live in a city that has like a proper IMAX screen. So right. it's worth it. Yeah. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about a smaller screen. The television screen. The smart fridge screen. (laughs) They're making (laughs) a straight to smart fridge Dune adaptation. (laughs) Can you imagine the absolute stroke Denny Villeneuve would have if you told him I watched your masterpiece on my Samsung smart fridge screen? Yeah. You're like, come on, release the director's edition. I want to watch it on my Samsung fridge. (laughs) On my Samsung fridge. It doesn't even hit 720p. (laughs) Yeah, it's 280p. And I was cooking the whole time anyway. I wasn't really looking. But it was good. It was was fine. Oh, my God. It's kind of good. It was almost as good as Cars (laughs) 2. Oh, my God. (laughs) Now I'm going to have a stroke. All right. let's, Let's talk about HBO's upcoming TV show. Yeah. Dune Sisterhood. Yeah. Because... The latest news on that is that the show has kicked off production as of November 2022, and we've actually suddenly and very quickly learned a lot of the cast. Yeah. We're not going to list them all because there's quite a few of them. A lot of them are, frankly, newcomers, and a lot of them are people we don't know all that much about right. just because they're new faces or they're not as well known. You know, no like AAA actors in this one. Right. I will say the only ones that I personally recognize from the list are Mark Strong, who had roles in Zero Dark Thirty, Shazam, Tar, and he's going to be playing the character Emperor Javago Carino. And the other actor I recognized was Travis Fimmel, who was in Raised by Wolves and Vikings and in the terrible Warcraft movie, which I saw in theaters. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) It was a waste of the $5. It was like a half-off movie day. Yeah. was still a waste of my $5. <laughs> and Travis Fimmel is going to be playing a character named Desmond Hart. Sure. Now, another fun fact, as I was like digging through the cast and looking through who's playing what, one of the leads is Shirley Henderson. Hmm. And when I clicked on her IMDb page, I laughed out loud because the first thing that shows up is known for Harry Potter moaning Myrtle. Whoa! Cool. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And I hope I haven't already like pre-ruined that character or that show for anyone. It's going to be hard for me personally to not think of Moaning Myrtle, unless she looks dramatically different, of course. But once you realize that, you look at photos of her and you're like, oh, shit, that is Moaning Myrtle. Holy shit. Yeah. I suspect, Googling her right now, I suspect the series is going to be a lot of people going, what do I fucking know this person from? Yes, 100%. She looks so familiar. She What is... And then they're going to find... And that's going to distract them the first like four episodes. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, Shirley is going to be playing one of the lead characters in the show, Tula Harkonnen, in Dune Sisterhood. Right. Now, beyond the cast, we know very little about the series itself. Right. Here's the official synopsis. Quote, 
Set 10,000 years before the ascension of Paul Atreides, the series will follow the Harkonnen sisters as they combat forces that threaten the future of humankind and establish the fabled sect known as the Bene Gesserit, end quote. Yeah. And uh, that's about as much as we know about the actual plot of the show. Right. Of course, if you've read Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson's book, Sisterhood of Dune, which this show is apparently loosely based off of or adapted from, then you probably know a little bit of what is to come in the show itself. Yeah, and even looking at the timeline, so Dune takes place in 10,191 AG. So 10,000 right. years before that would be around the foundation of the Spacing Guild and yeah. also only like 100 years or so after the Butlerian Jihad. Correct. Where Frank Herbert wrote that it was humankind falling complacent under uh, reliance on technology and then a decision to wipe out all computers as a jihad. Yeah. But that was like what Frank wrote about it. And then Brian was like, it's a robot war. <laughs> right. So we'll see if they lean hard into the like recently established Brian canonicity or if they stay true more to the kind of tone of Frank Herbert's universe. We'll see. We do know. So Johan Frank uh-huh. is tapped to direct the first two episodes, which is very exciting because Johan, Johan, Johan. I'm not, I'm not sure. Johan sounds right. Johan. Johan has directed uh, episodes of, and here's the list, Chernobyl. Banger. Breaking Bad. Banger. The Walking Dead. First two seasons, Banger. Yeah. I mean, just all around pretty good track record. Yeah. We know that the series is written and created by Diane Adimu-John, and she's known for her work on The Haunting of Bly Manor and Empire, but she has since stepped down. Yeah. Replaced by Allison Shapker, who has taken over as the showrunner, uh, mm-hmm. basically. Right. And then we know that Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson, having written the book, are also credited as, I think, they were like, what, executive producers? Yeah. The show does have like 12 executive producers. Also. Right, 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 right. But we will probably, in anticipation of the show, look at the book. Right. But what are your thoughts kind of around the HBO series and, and where we're at so far? I'm a little mixed on this one. There's some exciting talent attached to this series, right? Right. Johan Rank being the director and having directed some incredible, like iconic, not just incredible, like iconic level television shows Yeah, is very exciting. But I'm a bit cautious coming into this, just based on the fact that it's adapting a Brian and Kevin J. Anderson novel and based on how many production shakeups there have been, because... Denny and John Spates, who wrote the Dune movie, were actually attached to this project as well early on. And then they quickly dipped. And then now to hear that Diana Demijohn has dipped after creating it, that raises some red flags for me, right? Right. Like production crew changes is not completely unheard of. But at that level, like why would the creator leave? Yeah. You know, unless it was like a personal reason. We don't know why, or at least I wasn't able to find why in my research. And that raises some red flags for me, because if it's not a personal reason or a work reason, then it's a creative reason, you know, some creative disagreements or unhappiness with how the project is going, which is a bit of a red flag. But that is maybe me reading into it. So I don't want to state that as fact. That's just my interpretation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll watch it regardless. All of that having been said, my hype levels are low, but I'll still watch it. (laughs) Yeah. And I am trying to keep an open mind. Because we haven't seen any footage or even any set photos or costumes or anything like that. 
So once we maybe start to see some photos or get some cast interviews and then get that trailer, maybe my hype levels will go up. Maybe it will be good. So I'm trying to keep an open mind about it, despite some of my reservations and some of the red flags that I'm seeing. At the end of the day, more Dune is good Dune, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. We are getting more Dune out there. More and more people are becoming fans of Dune, some of whom are our listeners. We get emails all the time that are like, I watched Danny's movie and then I wanted to read the book and then I found your podcast or I watched the movie and I listened to your podcast breakdown of it. And then I had to pick up the book and listen to your book club. Like there are people every day coming into the Dune fandom and being introduced to this incredible world, this incredible story. And I think more Dune is good Dune at the end of the day, because it continues to introduce and create more entry points for people to come in and enjoy this world that we genuinely love. So totally. In summary, that's my very long-winded way of saying <laughs> I'll definitely watch it. Yeah. We'll definitely have things to say about it on this podcast. I have some reservations, but at the end of the day, I'll take more Dune, baby. Take all my money. <laughs> yeah. What about you? What are, where are your thoughts at? I mean, same, basically. I read part of Sisterhood and even just some of his, like his world building, he said that early Benny Gesserit had psychic blasts that boiled the cyborg brains of the robot overlords. Oh, cool. And that's not <laughs> Dune. <laughs> and also, yeah. they're prequel books, Brian. You can't introduce new things in prequel books without then having to also answer why they're not fucking around right. for the actual like story. Right. There's like, it just creates these massive continuity holes when you introduce new mechanics and like new things. And you, when you change so much during prequel books, it's just the weirdest choice. I don't know. We'll see. I am happy that we're doing sisterhood because Brian and Kevin have a problem with like female characters are often just like killed to motivate men. They get Mm. fringed a lot. Mm -hmm. So having a book and having a story brought to the screen featuring like two female leads is i think good it dodges some of the problems perhaps yeah hopefully hopefully yeah i'm also a little anxious with the juggling of showrunners i think we look back on projects that had multiple showrunners and multiple directors and multiple handoffs between like who has the reins on this creative endeavor and it's very seldom better for having changed hands right yeah it just gets messy so i don't know we'll see yeah I'd rather have it than not, though. Right. Because at the end of the day, having this new show means that costumers are going to be working. We're going to get to see planets that we haven't seen in Villeneuve's adaptations. Yeah. We're going to get to see so much Dune stuff that, separate from any kind of discussion of narrative and analysis, is going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see people in spaceships on planets doing stuff. It's going to be cool. I like sci-fi, and sci-fi is fun. And it's stuff to talk about. So- Worst case scenario, we're going to suffer through it together. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you and me and anybody who's listening. Best case scenario, it turns out really good. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it as well in either scenario. Right. Okay, let's switch gears again and talk about the world of video games. Yeah. Because there are some exciting things happening here in the Dune universe as well. It's true. So to be clear... Dune video games are not a new concept. Right. They've been around for many, many years, and there are no less than five official licensed Dune video games out there right. that you can try and get your hands on now. Most of them are pretty old, but you can find them. Yeah. There's the Dune 
adventure strategy game from 1992. Mm-hmm. And then there's Dune 2, also from 1992, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of important because it's arguably one of the first modern RTS games. Yeah. It inspired a lot of what made Command & Conquer so iconic and set the template for basically what RTS games have all felt and looked like for the past decades, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, and it's the same developer. So it's literally, uh, West. I think Westwood is the yep. developer. And yeah. They made Command and Conquer basically with mechanics that they invented for Dune 2. So How it's cool this is like that? piece of history. Yeah. Yeah. As someone who like spent my entire childhood playing StarCraft and RTS games like yeah, Command and Conquer. Yeah. Very exciting to see a Dune connection here. You know? Yeah. So after that, there's the video game Dune 2000. <laughs> Guess what year it came out. <laughs> confusingly came out in 1998. Yeah. Obviously. They were all about <laughs> Y2K. They were like, let's get to it already. Yeah, the world's going to end in two years, so let's put out this new video game yeah. and name it Weirdly. <laughs> weirdly, Dune 2000. Yeah. This was a remake of Dune 2, by the way. Yeah. And then after that, there is Emperor Battle for Dune, which came out in 2001, after the world had survived Y2K. <laughs> and this yeah. was a sequel to Dune 2000. Right. And then there's a game called Frank Herbert's Dune, which is a 3D adventure game, which was also released in 2001. So there was like a string of a lot of Dune video games compressed in like a decade here. Yeah. And then it's been pretty radio silent until recently. Right. There have been some like mods here and there. I know people have made mods for like Civilization to to be Dune, but like that was the the last licensed thing that I could find was, yeah, over 20 years ago. Yeah. So pretty exciting. And all of this leads us up to in 2019, a game developer, Funcom, who was uh, known for their Conan Exiles game and a couple of others, announced a deal with Legendary that they had settled to make at least, fascinating verbiage, at least three new games. Wow. The first of which is already playable. Yeah. And you can already play it. You can buy it. It's in early access on Steam, and it's called Dune Spice Wars. Mm-hmm. So, Dune Spice Wars, going back to Dune 2, laying the foundation for moving your units around and taking over the map. This is a real-time strategy game that went into early access in April of 2022. And it's been rolling out new features and content pretty regularly since then. Yeah. Most recent updates were the line in the sand, which made changes to some gameplay mechanics, and the uh, air and sand update, which introduced a few like flying units and some new mechanics to the gameplay. Yeah. And we don't have an exact date on the full release on like the proper leaving of early access, but it's expected to be in like late spring 2023 because they, they said it was going to be an early access for like nine to 12 months. Right. So we're looking at like April, May maybe of this year, but we'll see. Right, depending on the, how the timeline's going yeah, and how the development's coming along, which is seemingly going pretty well because yeah. they roll out updates and are very communicative in the Discord and right, right. the developer seems pretty involved. Yeah. So the game's coming together. Hopefully we'll get that official public 1.0 release sometime in the spring. Right. Now, the other Funcom project that we know about is a game called Dune Awakening which is an open-world MMO whose first trailer was released back in August 2022. Right. And then shortly after that, 
the developer also released a pre-alpha teaser trailer in December 2022. So we don't have a release date or much more info than that about the game. All we know is that it's an open world MMO and we've seen a couple of in-engine footage. I, I hesitate to call it gameplay because it it wasn't really gameplay. It was like cinematic camera panning across the desert and shit. So it's very early here in development. I doubt we're going to see much of Dune Awakening in 2023. This feels like a 24 game. Sure. Yeah. Um, So I I suspect we are still a healthy year out. I mean, it's one of those things. I could see them releasing it in like late 2023 if they rushed it and they made like bad choices. (laughs) Yeah. That's always a possibility. Although, no, they have an early alpha sign-up thing. So actually, yeah, you uh, in listener land, if you like MMOs, if you like Dune, <laughs> if you like Dune, check out the Dune Awakening trailers, and then there's a sign-up. You can go and sign up for their early access beta player testing thing. Nice. That could be good, but that'll also, when that goes live, we'll have a better sense of when to expect kind of solid news about the game. Yeah. For sure. And as far as the third game in Funcom's contract with Legendary, no announcements about that yet. We don't know anything. The contract is a six-year contract, so it does run until 2025. Plenty of time to announce something and to develop something new. And if these first two games do well, I'm sure they will continue their partnership. Yeah. So for the gamers out there, lots to look forward to in the Dune space. So what are your thoughts, Leo, about these two Dune video games? I know you and I have played Dune Spice Wars, and I'm curious to hear what you think about Awakening as well. Yeah, I really enjoyed Spice Wars. I know it's still developing, and there's content that I haven't seen yet because I basically played it those first two or three weeks. I made sure that I had played as every faction and more than every method. Yeah. Point is, I went down the list, and I just kind of tried to get every experience I could, and it was good. It's, It's a lot of fun if you like like Civ, and if you like those sorts of games, the 4X games, it's fine, but it's also an early access, which is to be expected. And it's super fun to be like making Dune units and to assassinate <laughs> like other leaders to be like, oh yeah, Harkonnen, you're like threatening my settlements? Okay, well, you're dead now because yeah. I killed you as assassins. Like that's just fun. Yeah. So I really enjoyed it, but I probably won't play again until... I have more free time, which is always out. And I do like how, as you mentioned, they are very communicative on their Discord. You know, all, even those first few weeks, people were very actively giving feedback. And a lot of that feedback was just immediately implemented. Yeah. So as long as they keep that up, I think it's going to be just a very, very good full release game. And then regarding Dune Awakening... I love MMOs. I don't really get into them that much because they are such time sinks. Mm -hmm. But if it's a Dune MMO, I could see it being a real problem. Uh, Mm -hmm. I know Conan Exiles was not the most incredible game ever made. They had some problems with the game. So again, cautiously optimistic, but I have a gaming PC and I have a, and I love MMOs. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited to see more. The, some of the pre-alpha footage in that most recent trailer had some just, beautiful vistas and the testing stations look really incredible and i love the still suit designs yeah and even just the idea of flying an ornithopter around the desert yeah is amazing give me that i want that experience Mm -hmm. so anyway i'm very stoked 
I work as a game developer <laughs> and I voice act games. So very excited to see more of this Dune universe. And if anybody has connections to Dune Awakening, put me in the game. <laughs> right. <laughs> put oh me my in the game. God. It'll be one of those times where I get a connection that I don't deserve, but I actually have the skills to do it. There you go. Anyway. So then you do deserve it. So I do just, yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's just going to be Chris Pratt. They're going to put Chris Pratt as every character in the game. <laughs> what about you? You excited for the games? I am. I also played Dune Spice Wars. I got the early access when it first came out. Same as you, I played it a lot those first couple of weeks. Right. And I quite enjoyed it. I love strategy games. I don't have a gaming PC so I usually just like cloud stream it and all I'm usually playing on PC is strategy games. So this was right up my alley. I enjoyed it quite a bit. The setting was good. The game feels pretty polished for being so early access, right? Yeah. And I generally enjoyed my time with it. I haven't touched it in a couple of months, mainly because at this point I'm just waiting for enough updates to roll out for it to feel new and fresh mm -hmm. and for there to be new toys and mechanics and things for me to go in and play with. I will say the one thought I did have is if you're someone who is coming from grand strategy games like Civilization or Crusader Kings or Stellaris or even City Skylines, like a lot of those Paradox Interactive games, right? huge, massive 4X games like that are very complex. And that's the rewarding part about them is once you learn these mechanics and start to master them, you feel like this incredible mastermind pulling 100 strings yeah. at once. Yeah. True. I didn't get that sense from Dune Spice Wars, at least here in Early Access. A couple months ago when I played it, was fairly simplistic. You had your units, you had your resources, you had your base management. Most strategy games have those three things, and there weren't a lot of extra layers on top of that. They tried to work in some diplomacy and some council stuff and some spies, but a lot of those mechanics I still feel need some more fleshing out. Sure, yeah. To feel more duny and to feel more complex like they do in these other massive strategy games i'm excited to jump back in and revisit it once the full release comes out though because uh, there will be new updates i'm sure and new things to play around with i still yeah. haven't played with those new flying units they added you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. as far as dune awakening goes yeah i'm not an mmo person i've never really played or gotten super deep into mmos i've played a bit of warcraft when i was a kid played um what was that one star wars one I, I think i did like the beta period for that at one point and then the only mmo that i would say i extensively played and even extensive is like a stretch there it's like I'm, i maybe put like 20 30 hours into it was the lord of the rings online the lord of the rings mmo oh cool which is actually fucking awesome oh wow like I, it made me so emotional just like running around Hobbiton and stuff and like seeing iconic landmarks and wow, characters cool. and things like that. Yeah. So I'm not much of an MMO person. I don't know that I'll get into Dune Awakening just because I don't have a gaming PC. I'm not into MMOs unless the game looks utterly incredible and it, there's a way for me to sort of cloud stream it. Right. I doubt that that's one I'll be visiting just because it's not my cup of tea. Right. But Dune Spice Wars is, so... There'll be plenty for me to sip on there. Very exciting. Yeah, lots of tea. Lots of <laughs> spice tea, indeed. Well, we're going to talk about the comics and some other like board game news. But before we do that, we're going to take one final quick break. So stick around. Right after this, we're back with some more news. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, folks. Let's now talk about some Dune comic book news and some board games to keep an eye on. Totally. First up, let's focus on these comic books because, shockingly, there's like a lot going on in the Dune space around comic books. A lot of Dune is being adapted into comic book format, which is very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. First and foremost, there's sort of the big one, the main one, the Dune graphic novel. Right. This came out in December 2020, and it's actually the first of three. It's going to be a three-part graphic novel, covers a third of the first book in each one. The first two have already released as of August 2022. The graphic novel volume two came out. And then the third volume is scheduled for spring 2024, for those of you out there who are looking to complete your collection. And this is a adaptation of the first book. Right. So it's not tied to the movie. It's not tied to any Brian or Kevin work, although Brian and Kevin J. Anderson are involved in its development. It is attempting to translate as much of the actual first novel to right, comic right. book format as possible. So it is the story told through pictures and words. <laughs> I've read the first one, and it does a pretty good job adapting oh, cool. and streamlining. Of course, Some things are simplified, you know, you're not going to get your paragraphs and paragraphs of philosophy that you do in the book, but it does a pretty good job of translating at least the first third of the book, the first one that I read, and the artwork is pretty good too. So uh, I was a fan of the first one. Haven't picked up volume two yet. Awesome. That's good to hear. I I saw that Brian and Kevin are helping to adapt it. And as always, I'm like, are they going to put some cyborgs in this? Are we going to see Erasmus on like page eight? No, at least in the first one, none of that. Okay, cool. It sticks pretty closely to Frank's own words in the first one. There is also, and I wanted to point this out quickly. I wanted to brag a little bit. Mm -hmm. So there's that one, right? 2022, 2020, whatever, 2020, 2024, that trilogy. There is also, did you know, in 1985, there was a comic book adaptation of Oh, my God. By Marvel Comics. And... It was around the David Lynch movie, and I bought it. <laughs> oh, my God. Of course you did. This was 75 cents on April 1st, 1985. The official comics adaptation of the spectacular new film. <laughs> <laughs> spectacular, so, doing a lot of work there, but okay. Yeah. And it's, but I like, I love the art. It's so cool. It's so 80s, yeah. So 80s. So that's cool. I just wanted to point that out for anybody who likes kind of memorabilia from the past. Not that expensive, actually. Nice. 
there is one more adaptation out there already that you should be aware of. And basically, this is a Villeneuve movie comic. Yeah. Legendary did a Kickstarter and it successfully got funded. And in December of 2022, it hit shelves. And it's basically like a scene-by-scene transcription of the movie with all of the actors are represented in like... It almost looked looks traced at times. Yeah. Like the cells of the movie are, are traced. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm not going to pick up a copy, but it's out there. Yeah, it's out there. I randomly found this at my library like a week ago. Yeah. I was, I was at the library snooping around the comic book section as I do. And I was like, what, what the fuck? Is that <laughs> Timothy Chalamet? Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, I remember sending you a picture right from the library. Yeah. And yeah, I borrowed it and kind of skimmed through it. I didn't read it because it is literally just the movie. Yeah. If you've seen the movie, you know what this comic book is. It's one of those sort of marketing things they always do. Right. Where they novelize a very good movie as part of sort of a franchise. So yeah, if you're a collector, maybe this is something to add to your collection but it is frankly just almost a one-for-one adaptation of the movie itself. And some of the cells in the comic and the dialogue in the comic are like freeze frames of the movie, basically. Right. Yeah, some of the frames look pretty cool. I remember like a couple of the panels yeah. were really like illustrative. They were really like beautiful and vivid and really gorgeous as like standalone little works of art. Yeah. But like, does that justify buying the whole thing? Uh, not for me. Yeah. Good for you. Not for me. Same. Now let's talk about kind of current current goings on. Yeah. So Brian Herbert, Kevin J. Anderson have a bunch of books. They've written like 15 books in the Dune universe. A lot of them are prequels. And they've had their works adapted as well. And let's get through them. Uh, there's a 12-part series covering Dune House Atreides, which is a prequel to the first book. We covered it. <laughs> we did. In a 12-episode series and kind of spent the whole time shitting on it because it's not great. But it was kind of fun in a, in a mean way to talk about. There's Blood of the Sardaukar, which is a one-off single issue, reportedly self-contained. Neither of us have read it, although I've, I think I've skimmed it to see if it would be a good episode to talk about. Mm-hmm. And we will probably eventually if you want us to. Mm-hmm. We have Dune, A Whisper of Caladan Seas, which is uh, another one-off self-contained. It's adapted from a short story. That was uh, printed in, I believe it was The Road to Dune. And actually, I think A Whisper of Caladan Seas was one of the first stories that Brian Herbert and Kevin Janderson wrote together Hmm. before they started publishing the full-on novels. Hmm. Interesting. We also have Dune, The Waters of Khan Lee, which is uh, following Gurney Halleck during two years uh, in in the book, basically. And that is four issues, and that was completed in August of 2022. And then finally, we have Dune House Harkonnen, which is adapting the novel of the same name yeah. <laughs> in a 12-issue run. And the first issue actually just came out a couple weeks ago on January 18th of 2023. So this is right. hot off the presses, almost literally. Basically, a bunch of comics, some yeah. multi-run series, some one-offs. They're around. If you go to the comic section or a comic store, you'll probably see them. They're around. Yeah, interesting strategy for them to be adapting. I don't know. Like it's a we talked about this in the Dune House Atreides comic coverage yeah. that we did. But to me it feels like a weird entry point like if you're trying to bring new listeners in. <laughs> yeah. 
weird that these prequel comics are the ones that are being adapted. These prequel books, excuse me, are the ones being adapted into comic books versus something that's more accessible, you know, like a spinoff book or even the, I don't know, like it, it's an interesting strategy to be just like converting this Brian and Kevin J. Anderson prequel stuff into comic books, hoping that people will read it. Maybe there are Dune fans out there that are interested in this sort of thing. I personally didn't even know Whispers of Caledon Seas and Waters of Conley was a thing. Yeah. So, and I, I, I don't know, like my algorithms are very Dune focused <laughs> yeah, and I'm yeah, not yeah. being served these like advertisements. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of marketing push behind these comic books. No. They're producing them and announcing them and hopefully comic book readers are reading them. I did read that Dune House Harkonnen sold its uh, first issue print or whatever. I don't know the terminology. I'm not a big comic sure. book person, yeah. but yeah. it basically went back for a reprint because they oh. sold out the first round of prints. Hey, so good job them. Seems like folks are out there reading them. The Dune fandom is strong. Yeah, indeed. I, and I'll also point out, I technically read parts of House Atreides because I, in reading the comic, I was like, what the fuck is happening? And was so confused and yeah, angry. The book, you mean the original, original the book, book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> maybe that's what they're doing. They're like, man, not enough people read our books. Let's adapt them into confusing and frustrating comics mm. that drive people to seek out the original in a blind rage. Mm. And then in that blind rage, pick up copies of the original novels. That's a marketing genius. Holy shit. Also because House of Trades, the comic adaptation was by a margin worse than even like the chapters that I read of the original novel. Yeah. There was a horse in a scene. I will never not be angry about that fucking weird. horse. Right. No horses on Dune. What no are you doing? No horses on Dune. What are you doing? No, it. I agree. <laughs> I'm not super stoked about these comics. Right. Like, I'm interested in picking up the three volumes that adapt the book. Mm-hmm. But I'm not so interested in these prequel adaptations based off of our experience with House of Trades. If I see them at the library or something, sure. You know, I'll sure, pick them up. Yeah. I'll borrow them for two weeks and I'll read them. I don't know that I'm going to be spending my hard-earned money on them. <laughs> Until, you know, I'm given a reason to. Until they adapt something that I really want to see. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy kind of being mean to them. So it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm a little excited to see some more of House Harkonnen. And and I'm excited to talk about it eventually with you. Yeah. It's not. It's kind of a a masochistic enjoyment of just it hurts in exactly Dune. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I got bullied all through middle school. So it's kind of fun <laughs> to turn the tables and be the bully. To bully someone. And shove Dune into the locker, you know, take Dune's lunch money. Man, being an asshole is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's a villain origin story if I've ever heard one. Yeah, right. Exactly. All right. Moving on from the comic books, let's quickly talk about the board games. Not as much going on here, but still some exciting things to mention. Yeah. In case you don't know about them. First and foremost, there is sort of what I consider like the main game, the Dune board game. This was developed by Gale Force 9, and this is actually an OG Dune board game from back in the 70s. Wow, yeah. And it was updated and re-released in 2019. And that's the version that I actually own. I don't own like an OG 70s copy of it. I don't know if they even sell those anymore. Right. The re-released 2019 version is, as far as I know, pretty much just the 70s one reprinted and re-released. And I've played it a couple of times. I own this one. I forced a couple of friends to play with me. They had a good time, which tells me that it's a good game for even not Dune fans. Right. But I, as a Dune fan, 
was just geeking the fuck out. Like every oh, time cool. someone was like one of the gameplay aspects in the game is that every turn you're allowed to take $2 from the Chome bank. And I'm right. just like, oh shit, Chome, that's the economy. Yeah, yeah. That's fun. There's fun things like that. The Fremen get to travel extra spaces because the in, in desert spaces, et cetera, et cetera. There's a bunch of like cool lore stuff, but it's all built on a foundation that of a very good board game too. That's enjoyable even if you're not a Dune fan. Nice, cool. I do also want to mention that this game was re-released again in 2021. This time, where they did update the artwork and reprint everything and redo the map and. The core game is still exactly the same as far as I know, but basically they updated the artwork to match the Denny Villeneuve film. Boo. <laughs> so you'll see Oscar Isaac, you'll see Timothy Chalamet and Daya, you'll see Stilgar on the Fremen cards <sighs> and things. Sure. So it, it's just more of a movie tie-in version versus yeah. the original like 70s art in the original board game. I have the 2019 version with the original art. Yeah, yeah. I think there's something sort of cute and authentic about that. Yeah. I don't know that I'd want like a generic movie tie-in version of it, but both are out there and you can find both on sale. I've got real mixed feelings about anytime they do movie tie-in stuff. Like when they re-release the book with like the char- the actors on it. And I'm oh, like, do we need the actor? I hate that shit. Like I don't need to play a Dune video game and there to be exactly Paul Atreides like Timothy Chalamet, right? Like, yeah, I don't need that. I don't feel that urge. When I read the book, I didn't picture Timothy Chalamet. In Dune Spice Wars, I'm really glad to see that, like, Leto Atreides is not just Oscar Isaac. Oscar, it's like a, yeah. They went with their own art. And it's great. It's amazing. So anytime they're like, we're re-releasing this thing with the... It's, it feels like this is a McDonald's Happy Meal tie-in toy. Uh, yeah. And not, like, an authentic work of art by artists. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather they pay... Well, I'm sure they paid artists to just like copy Timothy Chalamet's face onto it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I'd rather they pay artists to be creative and be like, give yeah, us your version of Paul totally. Atreides and we'll print it on this board game. Yeah. Oh, gosh. True. So moving on from that board game, that one's just called Dune. You can just like Google Dune Gale Force 9 and you'll you'll find both versions, the 2019 and 2021 version of it. There's another game created by developer and publisher Dire Wolf called Dune Imperium. And it also has expansions called Immortality and Rise of X. I haven't played any of these yet. Right. But it looks very good. It looks like a simplified version of the Gale Force 9 game. Like that one actually takes multiple hours to play and it's quite complex and every turn has multiple phases. This feels a bit more simplified, but still looks very satisfying. I like the artwork. The artwork is more in line with the film in this one, just because Mm -hmm. Dune Imperium came out after the film did, I believe, or around the time of the film. So there is no like OG artwork. It just has always sort of looked like the film, but they do expand it into their own look. Like the Benny Jesuit expansion just came out mm-hmm. called Immortality, and I was looking through the artwork, and they go pretty ham on making these Benny Jesuit look like as badass and witchy as possible. It's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Cool. But I haven't played it, and uh, I have my eyes on it. I'll likely pick it up and give it a go this year the last board game i wanted to call out very quickly is there was a kickstarter for a game called dune war for arrakis by a developer called simon i think c-m-o-n and that is come on (laughs) or it could be come on actually yeah c-m-o-n and they actually met their goal the kickstarter is complete they met the goal they exceeded the goal by quite a bit cool on september 22nd 2022 and so the game has now just sort of been in production 
and we'll see what what it's like when it launches. It's not out yet. They're still rolling out updates and going through like, I don't know, beta prints of the pieces and the artwork and the cards and things like that. But based on some of their prototyping, it looks pretty cool. The artwork is unique and there is a version of it that you can beta test on Tabletop Simulator. Oh, cool. If you have that on Steam or whatever, Tabletop Simulator is a game. Yeah. And they have a beta version, a digital beta version of what the final game will play like. Oh, dang. On that. So if you go to that Kickstarter, it's called Dune War for Arrakis by Simon or Kaman. If you go to that page, you can actually load up the Tabletop Simulator version of it and give it a go yourself. Very exciting. But that that's something else I have my eye on and hopefully it's a good one. But that's the world of Dune board games. We're getting a few more of them and some re-releases and some expansions. So much like the rest of the Dune universe, this little pocket of it is expanding as well for the uh, board game fans out there. I'm curious on your thoughts on all of this, Leo, on the comic book stuff, on the board game stuff. What do you think? It's a lot to spend my money on. <laughs> it's starting to look very expensive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, it's exciting. I, again, as the comics, we kind of talked about it. Um, I'm excited to see more Dune stuff. It's always fun to see illustrations of ornithopters and characters that I know or new characters that are in the universe. It's just fun. It's fun to see Dune stuff. Yeah. I kind of wish it was adaptations of like Frank's books because those narratives are just better, stronger and better written. Yeah. So that's that's kind of my feelings on the comics or write a new stories, like original stories that aren't tied to the original canon that's what i want i don't want these yeah. adaptations i want original dune comic book stories yes yeah. like there are so many incredible writers and authors out there tap them yes get them to like like star wars visions was such a cool oh, thing so do cool. that comics dune easy yeah <laughs> print that money easiest thing incredible comic book writers out there that as you're saying could be tapped to be like hey do you want to make a dune story do you want to make an original dune story and I'd love to see that from the comic books rather than, you know, sort of middling adaptations of works that are already out there, right, right. which is what we're getting now. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, and then on the board game front, it's like you do kind of need a lot of people. And a lot of these board games are the really long kind, you know, the kind that you're sitting down for like oh, yeah. two to seven hours with yep. people. Mm -hmm. And those are just a hard sell. Like, I think my favorite tabletop games are the ones that offer like shorter experiences as an option like getting involved and getting into a game for five hours is fun like make no mistake organizing a night around like a board game night yeah. hell yeah cool right. but that that's such a commitment you got to make like a day out of yeah, it. yeah exactly i like i like the sort of in and out quick card games i played that explosive explosum explosum uh railroad game mm -hmm. in new orleans and it was so much fun to just like, yeah, you guys want to do another round? Yeah, sure. And then that's like a seven minute commitment and then we can go on and do something else. So I would love to see that from board games. And whenever it's like, I just looked up the Kickstarter and it's like, oh yeah, two plus hours. And I'm like, mm. yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's cool. I love board games and, and especially with things like tabletop simulator that make it easier to play these board games with people all over the world makes it easier as well. You don't have to like in this post COVID era or this like COVID era having <laughs> your three closest friends come over is not always practical. Yeah. So I don't know that uh, kind of mixed feelings, but all excited. I mean, it's all, it's all good. And I think the more there are and the better they do, the more likely we are to get to things that um, 
are more up my alley. That dice game that we we chatted with those folks over was great. Was a yeah, lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. But obviously they struggled to get some licensing stuff. Yeah. Which it happens. What about you? I know you you've played the board game and you're you're kind of eyeing these other ones. And I know that's a little bit more up your alley. You excited about them? You have you have any kind of additional? Yeah. You basically said exactly how I feel as far as the comic books go. I'd love to get original stories. As far as the board games go, I love me a long board game night, but it's honestly been a couple of years since I've done that with friends. Just right. pandemic kind of got in the way, life, work, busyness. It's tough as an adult to even like meet up with a friend for lunch, let alone be like, hey, <laughs> yeah. do you have anywhere from two to seven hours free <laughs> yeah. to sit and eat pizza and drink pop and play this Dune fucking board game with me? So it's been a while since I've sat down and had a long, fun board game session. I have had friends come over, like last weekend, a buddy came over and we played like this really quick, easy card game where we just like did rounds of over and over and over and over Strip again. Strip poker. <laughs> yeah. And then we got naked and then we just like kept doing rounds over and over nice. again. And uh, it was fun. I forget what it was called. It was called like... It's called Yu-Gi-Oh. Have you heard of it? <laughs> Strip Yu-Gi-Oh? What? Strip Yu-Gi-Oh, yeah. Don't you all play Strip Yu-Gi-Oh? <laughs> I think the rules have been updated to include that. But yeah, I agree with you on that front too, is as much as I love me a long board game night, yeah. as a grown-up, I'd love for there to be like some Dune card game, quick yeah, rounds, board totally. game, dice mm-hmm. game options that can just be played in under an hour. Yeah. A Prana Bindu Twister game. <laughs> a Prana Bindu Twister game. Holy shit. Yeah. Somebody kickstart. Should we kickstart that? Oh my god! Did we oh just come up with? Little... <laughs> Forget podcasting. Let's get into <laughs> Dune branded board oh, games. The highly, <laughs> the highly, the highly lucrative. lucrative. Yeah. <laughs> Watch us become gazillionaires off of Dune Twister. That's the way to do it. <laughs> we own, we, you know, we don't own either of those brands, so we'd get sued on two fronts. But <laughs> <laughs> just wrapped up in legal battles for the next two decades. Yeah, and you know Brian Herbert's so easy to work with legally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's not one to shut people down on a whim. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's that's our first D Strands episode. It. Yep. We did it. That is some of the big dune news that we wanted to cover and go over and share with you in case you haven't heard about it dear listener and the things that we're excited about or looking forward to or keeping our eyes on of course there's always going to be more dune stuff to talk about and the plan is that we will be sprinkling in the occasional d strain episode like this over the coming year as we build up hype towards the film and get more news about it into the feed every now and then so we'd love to get your feedback on this type of episode and we'd love for you to share with us some things we might have missed. Totally. Yeah. Because, of course, we didn't cover everything related to Dune out there. That's true. And there are some things that fly right by us. So be sure to send us those links and those articles and those board games and Kickstarters or whatever is going on in the Dune universe so that we can mention it in these D-Strands episodes. Send all of that to the email we all know by now and should have printed on our asses. Podcast. At gmail.com. Oh, I was going to say Yu-Gi-Oh fans number one sixty nine sixty nine four twenty 420 swag at hotmail com. How do you know about that email? You gave me access to that email <laughs> when we started this podcast because that's such an important part of our business. <laughs> that's the side hustle that we don't yeah. talk about. <laughs> we sell 
blue eyes white dragon feed pics. <laughs> <laughs> I summon Exodia's feet pictures. <laughs> Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic, so help spread the word of Muad'Dib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lore Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, whoever controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on the Golden Path.